0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by Ashley Aldrain, author of the novel, The Whispers. New York Times bestselling writer Chandler Baker wrote about the novel. Ashley Aldrain writes about motherhood and how it feels to be a woman today with a fearlessness few can muster. Every time I turned a page, I thought, yes, this is why I read, to connect to feel seen to be confronted with my deepest fears and of course to go on a breathtakingly suspenseful ride while doing it. Ashley, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel The Whispers, how would you describe the novel?
1: So, it's well, it's about four neighboring women who live on Harlow Street. And they don't quite realize the ways in which their lives are connected um, until there is a tragedy that happens on the street one night involving a son of one of the families. Um, and that event acts as sort of a thread that is pulled and kind of unwinds everybody else's lives, um, in the wake of that. And so it's told over the course of, um, three short days, as we find out what happens to that boy, um, and what did happen the night of the accident. Um, but we also sort of go back a little deeper into the lives of these women, into their histories, um. And also into one, one event in particular, a neighborhood barbecue that happened nine months prior to that, um, to sort of see how all the puzzle pieces fit together.
0: Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing The Whispers?
1: I do. You know, there were a few things that came together at the time that that sort of led to what, what became The Whispers. Um, but I'll, I'll speak to sort of two of those things. Um, one of them, just sort of on a, a a plot level. I mean, I I think when I write really character is sort of the thing that I start with, or that I become sort of obsessed with in terms of, you know, the thing that grows, you know, in your mind as you're sort of planning to write. But there also has something has to happen, you know, there needs to be some inciting incident. Um, which is always key, you know, to to the book, um, and I and for me the inciting incident here. I mean, it, it's not giving anything away, so I, I will share that, that sort of the accident that happens is a little boy, or he's he's not not so little, um, but a young boy falls from his bedroom window. Um, in the middle of the night, and nobody knows how it happened or why it happened, and that I, I had really wanted to write something with that, and I think it came from you know we had we lived in this old Victorian house um, when I had my son, um, and and I and and his bedroom had this big beautiful window that went really low to the ground, like it was like a long tall window, <laughs> right. and when when we moved into the house, um, there was no screen and there was no lock on the door on the window, so. You you could very easily sort of just open it and sort of Yikes. topple right out, you know, if you if you, if you were, weren't careful. Um, and that that was in my son's bedroom. He had this beautiful room. It was at the front of the house, not the back of the house, as it is in the book. But, you know, he obviously, he was a baby. He was so young. He was in a crib. Like, we didn't need to worry about it at that time. But I thought about it every day. Every day, I thought, oh, what if? Like, what if a kid was playing in the room and, you know, fell out the window this way? Um, and it seemed like this sort of, you know, obscure thing, but it just sort of stuck with me. And I really wanted to write that. I really wanted to write it somehow in a book. And I actually thought, you know, when I wrote it, I thought, oh, like, you know, there's always this sort of plausibility factor, you know, like how possible would it be? And it has to, you have to, you have to really paint the right picture to make sure that readers really believe this. Um, but actually, I, I've had um, a couple messages since the book has come out from readers to say this exact thing has happened to them. Their the child has fallen out of their bedroom window. Um, and actually, somebody reached out to me from a children's hospital to say that the incidence of children falling out of their bedroom windows went way up during the pandemic because obviously, because families were spending so much time at home. Um so then I mean obviously that's all very terrible to hear but it it did sort of validate <laughs> the, <laughs> the incident that happened in the book. Um so that that sort of kicked things off and and the other thing that um really kind of I, I really wanted to write about that worked its way like in a significant way into the book is um we were living in, in, that, in that same house where we lived for 8 years. Um we lived on a street in I live in Toronto and th- we, there's a neighborhood called Little Portugal and we lived on a street in Little Portugal that really became sort of the um sort of the inspiration for Harlow Street in the book in a sense that it was a very, you know, gentrified area and there were still some, you know, older Portuguese families that lived in their, you know, very much untouched houses on the street and they they'd lived there for, you know, 60, 70 years. And all of the new families were kind of moving in around them and buying up the properties and renovating the houses and sort of really changing the area and the feel of everything. Um And I, and we lived next door to this wonderful older Portuguese couple that were in their eighties. And, you know, she, I never actually had a conversation in all the eight years with them because they didn't speak English at all. But of course you have a conversation in other ways, you know, with your neighbors, like the smiles and the looks and the waves and the, you know, we did have a sort of intimacy with them, you know, living right Mm -hmm. next door in such close, on, on such a small street, um, And, you know, they, the woman in particular, you know, they, they really embodied that beautiful porch culture, you know, of kind of, you know, they would, her and her husband would sit on their porch all day and sort of watch the street go by and certainly watch us come and go with our noisy kids and, you know, all the chaos that family life has. And I used to always think like, wow, I wonder what she thinks of us. You know, I wonder what she, what she's thinking about just watching modern motherhood and, you know, modern families and, you know, all of that, um, and how it would have compared to, the thing that she did in this very same spot, which was raise her family, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Um, and so while I never actually got to the bottom of what that, what the answer to that question was, um, I, I sort of made it up <laughs> with with the <laughs> dynamics in this book. Um, and there's a, there's a character who I really love in this book um, named Mara, who is an 80 year old woman, Portuguese immigrant, and, and we get her backstory in this book. And she very much acts as sort of this voyeur, sort of judging the other mothers on the street as everything unfolds.
0: That's wonderful, well, what was your writing journey that led you to writing your debut novel?
1: Mm. so I had always loved writing. I'd always wanted to be a writer. I was always very obsessed with books and that whole world, um but really sort of in the background of life, I would say um and didn't really pursue it at all, like beyond taking you know night courses at the local community college and fiction writing and sort of that sort of thing in my spare mm-hmm. time um And I I was working in public relations for about 10 years, like in in PR agencies. And then I had an opportunity um, through a friend of mine who who was a former colleague to work with Penguin Canada um, here in Toronto, um, doing the same sort of thing, like publicity and public relations. And that was like, I was like a kid in a candy store, you know, every day going to work, getting to work with authors and books. And I loved that job. I worked there for two years. Um, And really learned a lot just about, you know, how publishing works and, you know, certainly the marketing of a book, but even just reading really widely, you know, reading things I would have never read before. um, It it was such an education in that way. Um, And then I left that job to have my son, my first child. um, And I had always wanted to go back because I, I really loved that job so much, like wanted to go back after maternity leave. Um, But when he was born, he had like a lot of health problems. He had a chronic illness and we were spending all this time in and out of the hospital and it was really challenging. And I I sort of realized going through that, I thought, okay, I'm I'm not going to be able to go back to work like in the capacity that I was before. Um, And that felt like a pretty big sacrifice, you know, to not not go back to that job. But I thought if I'm not going to do that, like, what is it that I really want to do? Like, what is the opportunity now? And that was, of course, to try writing a book. Um, and so I did, so I I think he was about six months old and I basically, you know, like tried to carve out whatever time I could during the week, um, to just start writing. And I don't know that I ever had like a you know, like I'd never written a book before, never tried to write a book, but I just started chapter by chapter, scene by scene, um, writing about the thing that I was sort of obsessed with at the time, you know, which was motherhood and sort of this darker version of it um, and wanting to explore sort of a mother for whom motherhood does not go, you know, as she planned. Um, and the book, you know, just developed over the next couple of years as I kept writing, Um and so that was sort of the start of the writing journey. It sort of it very much, um, you know, corresponded with the start of motherhood for me. And and considering I was writing about motherhood and still am, it's all sort of intertwined in this really wonderful way. <laughs>
2: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes, like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
0: Given that you worked in publishing, do you feel like you had a special insight as your own Hmm. publication um, happened with your debut novel?
1: You know, it's definitely beneficial in a sense that, like, it, it's funny. Some people will say, oh, did it, like, help my writing? And, and I don't think it did, except for mm-hmm. that I was reading so much, which certainly is, like, you know, the best education for a writer. Um, but not so much the writing of it, but definitely as, as exactly as you said, sort of what to expect, you know, when your book comes out. <laughs> um, I, I had sort of done that for two years, you know, helped authors launch their books into the world. And so I sort of knew what that would be like. Um, although, of course, when you go through it, it's totally, you know, it's always totally different, <laughs> more more personal and more stressful. And I I look back and I think about how I used to, like, you know, really downplay stuff to authors. Like, oh, bad reviews, just a bad review. It's one review, don't worry. And then, of course, you get one as a writer and you think, oh, like, that, that means nothing. <laughs> you know, I and mean, that advice means nothing to me. But um, I, I think one thing, actually, really sort of helps to manage expectations in a way because I think working in publishing, you know, I sort of learned that, like there's no way to predict a big success, right? Like you can, you can do all of the marketing and get all of the budgets and, you know, like have the sales team behind it. And sometimes it works um, and sometimes it doesn't. And what really matters is that you know, the readers really decide what book works and what book doesn't, you know, um, and booksellers and librarians and like, the you know, the, those are the people who really decide, you know, does a book work or not? Um, and so you, and you kind of don't know that, you know, until your book's out in the world. So I was really lucky to have tons of support from my publishers when the push was coming out, um, like more than most debuts get. And I felt very, very grateful for that. But there was always this sort of pit in your stomach that, you know, it could it could have one good week and then disappear (laughs) because I've, I've seen that happen. Yeah. So I think it was almost knowing a bit too much, (laughs) maybe not a good thing.
0: Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels?
1: Mm, Like a a few things. Like I, you know, I like, I guess uh, sometimes I like to give advice like directly to sort of mothers who are writing, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think that, um, I think that that is a time like for me at least, and I I know from lots of women I've spoken to, it can be a really creative time. Like there was something about that period in my life when I I did feel hugely creative. And I I think a lot of women sort of tap into that, you know, after like giving birth and becoming a mother. Um, But it's also like the time when you are most exhausted and have the least time to give, you know, to anything else. Um, So that's such a conflict, you know. But I think think, um, it's really hard to... most people, like I know there's, you know, many great successful writers who will say, you just have to write every day. Like you have to just sit down and write every day and get the words down. And certainly that's true in a best case scenario. But if you're a mother trying to balance work and kids or new motherhood, like you're just not going to be able to do that every day. It's not realistic. Instead, my advice is always like, think about the book every day, like be obsessed with the book every day, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have the time to sit down and like crank out a thousand words, you know, it might be that that you are up late at night, like in nursing, and you're just brainstorming ideas, or you are having conversations with people on a walk, like trying to sort out character, or you're just daydreaming, you know, while you're doing other things about like the thing you want to write about. And for me, that really kept the energy of writing alive, even when I didn't have the time to like actually work on my word count. And I just think that's really important for people because it hopefully it gives people hope that, you know, they might not have childcare readily available, or again, like, you know, three hours to sit down and write every day. But you can still like nurture the creativity that way.
0: Sure. Well, are you working on another novel now?
1: I am. Yeah. I'm working on something now, which I, I haven't really talked about yet, or I don't really know how to talk about it yet. So I won't sure. say much, but I, but I, um, but I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm working away. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed?
1: Oh, great question! Um, I have had some really good reads this summer. I'm trying to. I I I need to keep a do a better job of keeping a list. I actually just posted um, today on on Instagram about um, about a book I really loved called. Um, it's by, hold on, I have to pull it up here because sure. my memory is so <laughs> horrific. Um, it's called My Last Innocent Year by Daisy Alpert Florin. And I really loved this book. I felt it's, um, it's sort of a coming of age, cam- like campus set novel, you know, about consent and friendship. Um, but I think what makes it stand out is, you know, while there are lots of novels sort of in that genre, this, there is nothing cliche about this book. It is very ambiguous and it's sort of, it, it's very thoughtful. Um, I just, I really loved it. I think it's a really beautiful read. One of, one of the best things that I've read lately for sure. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of the book I'm always recommending to people. Um, and another book I love that came out when my book came out, um, is, um, called let it destroy you by Harriet Alita Lai. And there's so much um, buzz right now with the Oppenheimer movie and like that. And this Mm -hmm. actually looks at um, one of the men who was involved in the creation of the atomic bomb as well. Um, But it looks at it from the dual perspectives of he and his wife. And so we get alternating chapters between he and his wife, and we re- learn that the reason he was so involved um, in creating some of this technology was because he was trying to basically invent radiation to save um, his daughter from a cancer that she had. And so it, it's, it's a really beautiful um, look at something quite sort of scientific and ethical. Um, and she's, she's just a, she's a Canadian writer. She's a really wonderful writer.
0: Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novel? I know you just mentioned Instagram.
1: Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram and I, I really love interacting um, with readers there. I'm just at, at Ashley Audrain on Instagram. I, I find, I, I have to say, I do find the world of social media as a writer distracting, (laughs) very distracting (laughs) and overwhelming. And it's sort of, you know, a love hate thing where um, I wish I could sometimes I just wish I could delete it all from my phone so that I'm not tempted and would write more. But also the the total joy of it is connecting with readers and hearing feedback and seeing people post reviews of the book. It's just incredible to me. Uh, I, I appreciate it so much. And I read I read all the reviews and all the posts and all the comments. So that's that's probably the best place to connect.
0: Again, we've been speaking to Ashley Aldrain, author of the new novel, The Whispers. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Ashley, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Oh, thanks, Jeff. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.